Hey guys, thanks so much for your continued support and listening to Trail Tales ARP, a running podcast. If you're a fan of Canacross and like the Trail Tales ARP Canacross edition, you can find all of our episodes on our website, trailtalesarp.com. Just go under the Canacross tab and you'll see all our episodes there. Otherwise, you can just look for it in our regular feed on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you find our podcast. Thanks for your continued support. Once again, run wild. From the trails to the road to the track. If it's running, you'll find it right here on Trail Tales ARP. Run wild. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Trail Tales ARP, a running podcast. I'm your host, Sean Sobon. Today, I have Steve Kenny with me, and we're going to talk about the Big Run 3.0. What is the big run 3.0? Well, you're about to find out. Uh, Steve just spent a few weeks out on the Bruce Trail and did an end-to-end running roughly 900 kilometers. And uh, what's kind of unique about this is most people will run from the top of the trail and and work their way down from Tobermory to Niagara. Steve actually did it the other way. He went from Niagara to Tobermory. So it's kind of like all uphill uh, pretty much. So adds a degree of difficulty to something that's already uh, really tough. Uh, Steve did this run in support of eatlocalgraybruce.ca and their Zero Waste Project. We're going to learn all about that. Steve, um, welcome to the show, man. Thanks so much for being here. I know you just completed this 900-kilometer trek like two days ago, and here you are. So thanks so much for taking the time to be here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, And for me, too, I I actually really look forward to having these conversations, especially so soon after, because it helps me just talk about it. And um, you have the chance if you wait too long, you might lose some of the stories a little bit. So um, it's great to be on and have a conversation about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this this podcast, I named it Trail Tales, a running podcast. And and we generally talk anything to do with running trails, road, track. But I think this must be the most Trail Tales podcast episode there there ever has been yet because we're talking 900 kilometers of trail from from June 11th to the 23rd like that's that's insane man I can't even fathom that so I guess my my first question I want to ask is this was the big run 3.0 so let's find out a little bit about the big run 1.0 and the big run 2.0 for sure yeah so I going too far into that my overall history i started running in 2019 and um i had tried the year before um to do a little bit of running and i i like to go and i was going to train for a 10k and did a few runs and you know i gave up on a 2k run said i guess this isn't for me but that never quite sticks with me so um i have an amazing partner named jade who anyone who's been following the run knows was a very important part of this and she just, you know, gave me these little encouragements and these little things to try other, you know, I started biking, I started doing more yoga and stretching and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then in the, in 2019, I gave running another shot and I was going to train for a half marathon. I started in train, running in February and by my second week of running at that point, I went out and ran a half marathon distance just on my training day. So, you know, all that work and change, including going plant-based really paid off. And as we worked through the year, I did a marathon. I did my first ultra race. Um, I did some other runs and I was looking for something at the end of the year, big to do, because I had just built this huge base. 
and it was getting into like November and there was just nothing out there. There was just no races that either were available or was something bigger than what I'd done. So I just said, you know what, I'm going to go run the, um, I think it's called the Gray Bruce Rail Trail, but it's a rail trail that runs from Owen Sound all the way down to Orangeville. I know it. It actually runs through my town here in Shelburne. Yeah. So I spend, a, I spend a lot of time on it in my portion of it anyway. Yeah, exactly. And coincident, well, even coincidentally, like part of the reason I chose that trail is was I was, when I was training in 2018, when I was going to do the 10K and it just didn't happen and I gave up, it was on that trail. I would go out and run that trail and there was a one kilometer stretch from like one road point to the other and I'd run it to one end and run it back. Right. And, you know, when I got into it, I'm like, well, I gave up on a one kilometer stretch of road. Like, I think I can do this whole thing. So, and we went out and we took it on and we did it. It was 114 kilometers. It was at that point twice as far as anything I'd run. Um, it snowed a couple days before. So I was running through snow a lot of it and a lot of it had been unbroken. So oh, wow. that added a little, little element to it. And that was the big run at the time. That was just the big run. There was, there was no 1.0 because it was right. just the big run. And then, then 20, then 2020 hit and there were no races on the calendar. I mean, I hadn't signed up for anything at that point. I was just going out and running. And I got the idea that I wanted to run the peninsula section of the Bruce trail. So from Wyerton to Tobemore, which is about 160 K. Um, so, you know, a hundred miler, I think I did a hundred kilometer. Let's take on a hundred miler. So we went to do that last September and that became the big run 2.0. And that one, um, I ended up running, I started in Martin and I got 90 kilometers in up to Cape Chin. And I decided to call it a night at that point. Um, and I didn't finish the run. Um, and I was really okay with it at the time. And I think there's a lot in that experience that came into play in this run I just did, um, including when I was doing that run um, was the same day John Pockler started his run, his, the current FKT for the Bruce Trail. He started that day in Tobermory heading south. So I actually passed him on the trail and got to meet him on the trail uh, while I was doing my run. Uh, pretty, pretty uh, chance meeting, but an important meeting, I believe, right? So it was. Yeah, I mean, at that moment, it was just like, I knew who he was. I was expecting him coming just because we were watching him. He had okay. no clue I would be out there. Um, right, right. Okay. But um, um, yeah, we just chatted for a minute. And um, <laughs> there's so many amazing things about John's, like John's run and how he pulled it off. But where we met, we were on the the loop that goes from Lyons Head down to Barrows Bay, which is a really rugged remote section. And it was probably 10, 11 o'clock at night. And he was out there without headlamps because they had some issues and he didn't have a headlamp with them. And him and his pacer, Connor, were doing that section with their cell phone headlamps. Like, oh my gosh. John is, he's a beast for the running he did, but those guys just like worked through every problem to get his run in. And it was so amazing. Wow. Yeah, I guess I guess you got to figure that uh, no matter how much you plan and prepare, something's always gonna gonna come up that you weren't expecting. Eh? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that that kind of leads us to the big run 3.0. So, you know, it's it's the end of June now. Um, how much preparation went into this run? And you know, going from there, let's start with that. Yeah. So basically, that the big run 2.0 
was in September of 2020. Yes, a year ago. It's 2021, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, so after I sort of didn't accomplish my 2.0, I took a day to recover. And then I was watching John's tracker and I saw that he was getting close to own sound. And I'm like, I got to go out and run with him. He's coming up to some sections I do all the time. I know them well. I'm going to go out there. And I ended up the next three or four days going out and pacing with him and running with him um, just to help him up in this, this area and get through. And it was in that experience, I was like, you know what? Like, I have the tools, like I have the tools to take on the entire trail. It was something I had in my mind for, you know, in the future, like three or four years down the road, maybe. Yeah. Um, but I saw what he was doing. I knew the athlete he was, and I knew he had a lot more sort of raw athleticism than I did. But I also saw what takes into doing something like that. And I said, I, I've got those tools. I mean, it's going to be a lot of work, but I think I can, I can give it a shot. And we literally started planning then, like, me and Jade, my partner, and Jen, who's been on our crew every time for these runs and was with us this whole run, um, we started taking notes and we started looking at, we picked June uh, that we were going to go for it. And we literally started planning then. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, this isn't something you can just kind of, you know, decide you're going to do it and go out and do it because it's, it's, it's a pretty big pretty big deal and i'm sure there's a lot of logistics at play with it and you know you need support you need support with it as well um so take me to um you know before we get into the to the beginning of the run can you just talk a little bit about uh eat local gray bruce and and what they're doing and and why it was important for you to support them definitely to start with like food is such an important part of what i do as a runner and what i do as an athlete and i'm plant-based that's part of it. Um, I think that benefits me in a lot of ways. It helps me with recovery, um, helps me perform the way I can. And going plant-based for me was influential in going from that runner who couldn't run 2K to the runner who just did 900 kilometers in 12 days and 13 hours. Um, so food is super important. So we wanted to partner with organizations that fit some of our values and then we believed in. And Eat Local Grey Bruce is a um, not-for-profit co-op that looks to connect local growers and food producers with local eaters. Um, So essentially they're a service you can order food from. Um, You do your order each week and they deliver it right to your house. Um, But it's all local farmers, local growers, local food producers. So we're supporting that local food culture. It's also, healthy food. Um, and I think, you know, in this age of, you know, mass produced, factory farmed, um, over processed food, we need to find better systems. And that stuff is cheap and easy. And there's reason it uh, is everywhere. Yeah. And if we want, if we want a different world than that, which I think most people do, I think most people know there's better food to eat. Uh, we've got to support those groups that are trying to do that and they are and eat local not only that they're also conscious of how they um function in the community um they have a solidarity model they just launched where you can purchase tokens to help people who aren't as privileged as someone like me to afford their services and they provide for those people um and 
they have member different membership platforms. So again, if you're more well off, you can you can pay more as a membership. So others who might not be able to can you know take part in what they do. And then specifically the zero waste initiative is they're also trying to go zero waste. Like they're doing all these things, um, you know, just doing one of those would be, you know, a step in the right direction and they're taking mm -hmm. them all on. So they're trying to get rid of all the, the packaging that we don't need, all the plastics and clamshells and stuff. And the big part of this project is they're trying to package all their dry goods and stuff in mason jars and reusable containers and create the infrastructure and everything they need for that, which seems like a simple thing. But when you put that to scale, there's a lot that goes into that. And us supporting this will hopefully get them to that point. And then it's there, then the system's there and it can you know, function going forward. So that's what Eat Local Grape Roost is about. Um, and yeah, in general, it, it lines up very much with our values. Uh, we like to support local food, local food growers trying to go zero, like lower waste was something we were actively doing ourselves. And if the people we're buying our food from are doing that, it makes it easier for us. Absolutely. It sounds like a great initiative uh, from so many different angles and you're building community and, you know, people are, are getting together and helping those who are less fortunate. And, you know, it's, it's pretty much one step away from growing your own food in your own garden. So you can't get much fresher than that. Um, you're going to get health benefits, benefits from it as well and good for the environment. So, so great stuff. Great organization. Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, absolutely. So that is eatlocalgraybruce.ca. If anybody wants to check them out and support them and, and see what they're all about, you can go there. Um, so Steve, let's, let's go to June 11th. This is, this is day one. You're down at, uh, Queenston High Park in Niagara. So what's on your mind at that point? Um, what was the night before, I guess, your sleep? Did you get a good sleep? Were you, were you nervous? Were you calm? It wasn't too bad. I, I got an okay sleep. We, we traveled that day. So we, um, Thursday morning, the 10th, we got up and on sound. <clears throat> We'd already done like most of the prep. We just had to sort of pack everything up. I had to go pick up the RV um, in Brampton. We went down to where we we're staying in Niagara and parked where was a friend of ours down there gave us their driveway. Um, had to do a few things. We actually went to the park that night um, just to scope out the landscape. It's a little, it's a little funky there where the trail comes out and runs through the park. And it's actually can be hard to, the first couple kilometers of the trail actually can be a little hard to like follow. So oh, we really? just walked that through. Yeah. Um, actually remember when John was doing, finishing his run, they were like in the dark trying to like find the, the rest of the little trail, get to the cairn. So, um, we sort of scoped that out and yeah, I got a, I got a pretty good sleep. I mean, we were, we were aiming at a 4am start. So, you know, we were getting up at three in the morning. So, um, but I had also somewhere along the way, um, I got some really good advice is like, don't worry about the sleep the night before the run. Cause it's going to be crappy no matter what right make sure that the, the two previous nights to that you you give yourself the opportunity to have really good sleeps which is what i did so you know i didn't sleep the greatest that night but that was somewhat expected okay fair enough fair enough so um yeah man june 11th at the beginning at this park do they have like a placard there or anything that that you know signifies the beginning of the trail or, or the end of the trail whichever way you're going i guess yeah actually on both ends there's a big cairn so this big stone structure um and they're pretty similar on both ends and um yeah it's a pretty it's a pretty nice symbolization of like the start and the end of the trail and awesome. if you haven't seen it you should uh 
Uh, and you should probably Google a picture. There's a, I'll send you a picture of us at the end. And uh, Please the do, one yeah. At, yeah, the one at the starts or both ends are very similar. All right, cool. So you know what I'm going to do now is I'm going to I'm just going to stop asking you questions. I want you to just kind of share your experience with us on the run and, and how it was from your eyes, man. For sure. Um, obviously, going in, going for the FKT was was a goal of mine and it was something I was, you know, I had my sights set on. And, you know, that was as much I think you need something to be shooting for. If I hadn't have aimed for that, um, I wouldn't have put the work and effort in needed to maybe, you know, to actually just finish the trail at the end. So that was, you know, from day one, I'm like, you know, I can go for this record, like I can give it a shot. And day one went well, we got about 103 kilometers in it was a good day oh wow that's um, good. which is you know but that's the pace you need to keep up for <laughs> the next bunch of days yeah. so day one went well i didn't feel like i overworked um we didn't we did a trial weekend um a couple months before um just a three-day thing just to see how it played out and in that we learned a lot just about some diet issues and like getting calories in me and realized i how much i overworked the first day too essentially accomplished the same thing. So we, the plan was, you know, working pretty well. Um, day two went, went good. I think I got about 80 K in. So even right there, like 80 K is a pretty big day, but you're already starting to, to fall a little short of where you need to be. And I thought, you know, okay, it's day two. My body at that point is really starting to like, like hurt. Um, and this is again, something we anticipate to other people who've done this, there's going to be some middle days there where you're just in really rough shape and you've got to push through those and eventually it turns and you'll start to feel better. As weird as that sounds, um, there'll be a point where a lot of the pain goes away and your body really loosens up and understands what's going on. So we knew there would be this point where I'd have to push through some of that. Um, and the goal was just to try to get as close to those kilometers as we needed. And then on day three, I think it was day three, I got about like 60K and that was a rough one. Um, both physically, I was, I, was, I was hurting physically and just mentally, because even that early, I said, I knew I'm like, that's my mulligan. Like, that's my day that um, I can't have another day like this or the record's just like not an option anymore. It was still even at that point, like it was going to be a lot of work. Mm -hmm. um, and then the next bunch of days, to some extent, just blurred together. Um, we were slugging it out. My knees were in pretty bad shape. Um, we're having a, issues with food. Like I was just having trouble eating enough. Um, and it wasn't like so much a issue with like not wanting to eat. Like I just couldn't, my body just wouldn't take in enough food. I was doing a lot of liquid stuff. Um, well, there was, we had this joke where it was one of these days where I was basically only eating, like they were just doing smoothies and stuff, which was part of our nutrition plan, a big part of it, but we had other food and I just couldn't eat any of the solid food. And I knew I needed something different. So I finally told Jane, Jen, I'm like, just take some rice and beans, put them in the blender, add some water. I'll just drink it. I just need some other stuff. And they did it. And I, I was jokingly calling them bean smoothies. Um, they, they didn't think that was the most appealing thing. And they, they like to call it soup. Cause I mean, that's, you know, you make soup like that. You heat some stuff up, you sure. give it a little blend. It's a soup, right? So that's, that's the state 
they were at, you know, in probably the four, five, six area. I was, I was, I was drinking bean smoothies and my knees were in rough shape and it was, it was slogging out. And mentally it was tough because at that point the record was like off the table, right? right. Like it just wasn't going to happen. And we knew it right at that point, but um, you're maybe more, a little more than a third of the way. Like you, it's, you're a third of the way at this point, right? And, yeah. You know, it's just, it, then it starts to seem like so big. Um, but a lot of credit to Jade and Jen, the crew, for everything they did themselves, but also everything they started to do to find a way forward. Um, they really rallied. We had a lot of support we knew coming up as we moved north into, into Blue Mountain and into the Beaver Valley and through Owen Sound. We knew we had a lot more support as we got up that way. And we had some great support down south, um, some people that came out and ran and had a lot of pacers and just helped. But we knew we really needed, or they knew I really needed some support. And uh, they just started pulling it together and started getting some people down to help me get through those days because they were tough days. I can and, imagine. Yeah. You know, you know, not sorry to interrupt here. I was just, oh, I'm, I'm kicking myself because your, your run came to my attention about two days or maybe a day after you ran through the section here in Dufferin County, I totally would have, I totally okay. would have been out there and, and running through that section with you. And I'm just kicking myself thinking, Oh man, so close, so close. But. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting, right? Like um, sort of how the word spreads in this community. Yeah. It's, it is a very tight community. Um, and, but sometimes, yeah, it just, you know, people hear about it at different times. And I, I truly believe people show up at the right time when you need it. And that happened a lot. And at some point in there, probably through Calgary, maybe getting up into Blue Mountains through the Dufferins, um, we started getting some of the runners from the Blue Mountains. There's an amazing group of uh, female ultra runners in the Beaver Valley and uh, Blue Mountain area. Um, like just unbelievable. Like the caliber of runners they are is unbelievable. Um, the type of people they are is amazing. And they really rallied to help me. And that started to be the turning point. That started to be like, okay, my, I'm still hurting, but it's like starting to be manageable again. Um, like I can, I can move, but I did have some tough days through those sections too. And then in the midst of all that, um, Jade, Jade had been talking with John, again, John Pockler, who holds the record. And he was actually, he was very helpful for me the whole time leading up. Like I would call him a number of times and he would offer any support, advice, you know, information I asked for. And so Jade actually um, got John to give me a call one night after I ran. And I had a really good conversation with John. Um, and, you know, to, a lot of people can tell you like, you got this, you can keep going. Um, but it's when you hear that from someone who's actually done it and they say, you got this, you can keep going, you can get to the end. It, it just, it's just, it hits you in a different way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was hugely helpful for me. Um, and yeah, through, through there and through the Blue Mountains, um, physically there are actually some really tough days, but it started to turn. And then, then we got into Owen Sound, which is where I'm from. And I had some really great, great day. The great day leading into Owen Sound, um, I think it was Saturday. Um, I was trying to get the Owen Sound, like there's the big Owen Sound sign, which is actually right on the trail. I was yeah. trying to get there, I think on Saturday night. And it came up just short, but then Sunday, the trail kind of does this neat thing where it loops 
almost around the perimeter of our own sound through English Falls and some beautiful stuff. And we just had so many people out supporting and running. And I made a big stretch up and got just about to the Wyarton. I think I was about 15K short of Wyarton by the end of the day. Um, And that was the point where I started thinking, this might actually happen. Um, As weird as that is, right? Like, and, but you're still, I just saw 180 K to go and 180, I mean, 160 of that K is the peninsula section, which is rugged, rugged terrain. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. So, um, getting into that, that last, uh, 160 kilometers there in, in that rugged terrain, um, how, how did you fare through that? Actually, surprisingly well. So what I had talked about earlier about that thing with um, eventually your body gets on board with what you're doing. Yeah, that had started happening, especially through I think once I got did that run through Owen Sound, I had a really great end of the day. Um, I, whichever day that was that I after the sun, Sunday it would have been. And at the end of the night, I had done about just short of 70k. And we were right on top of Kemble Mountain. Um, and then there's this really nice run where you're sort of run across the top of Kemble Mountain, and then you run down the hill towards Big Bay, and then there's another little forest stretch, and you run towards the Slough of the Spond, and there's this 3K road section that's like this old logging road or something that is literally a 3K straight shot that is just wide enough for a car, and there is nothing on the road. The road's closed. And it is the most surreal thing you can imagine, especially at that point. And I just bombed from the top of Kemble Mountain all the way down. I was supposed to meet Jade just before I entered that last section, but I went so fast that I got there before she she got there. She wasn't <laughs> expecting me. Like I got there like a half hour before like my pace, like I should have been there. Um, so I just sort of left my hat at the trailhead and then went in and did that section and she met me at the end. And that felt really good. Um, to get that section done. So then going into the peninsula section, my body was in really good shape. Like my legs weren't hurting as much. It was tough getting up each morning, um, but it, my body really responded well each day. That's good, that's good. And I'm sure you attribute a lot of that to, to the way you eat, right? And, and the food you're consuming and your nutrition plan and everything there. Yeah, exactly, definitely, definitely. My, I've always had, the recovery time's always been a big thing for me and having really strong recovery time for a lot of reasons. Like I can go out and do a big day of training and I'm good the next day, which means I can go out and do some more training. Like obviously you're not, you know, stacking. So actually sometimes I do, I stack big workouts back to back in preparation for something like this. But yeah, definitely the diet is a huge part of that. There was actually, there was one night late actually, like um, one of the last couple nights we were, I think we were in Hope Bay is where we were staying. And, um, this might be a little bit of the TMI of trail running, but you're you're putting so much fluids into your body that at night it's hard to sleep even for four hours straight. You, you got to get up a few times and, and go to the washroom. Um, and I, you know, I went to bed and then at some point I woke up and I had to go to the washroom. I sort of hobbled out, walked over to the washroom. And then, then a couple of hours later, I woke up again and I started walking. I'm like, whoa, like this, this is a lot easier, like, like already, right? And then it happened again, I woke up and I'm like, oh, like, like I'm actually walking pretty good now. And it's just crazy in those just little hours of sleep, how much my body turned around. 
that's amazing man that's almost like a that's almost like a superhero power to, to recover yeah. that fast that's pretty good man and yeah that's got to be so, you know so kind of uplifting just like i'm feeling good yeah it was really especially those last couple of days just to, to feel how my body was like my feet were my feet were beat up um and there was like some swelling and inflammation and they just they feel they still do now that's about the only sort of Thing right now I'm, I'm working through is they feel really solid and tight so I don't quite have the mobility in my feet that I normally have um, so that was the one thing but my legs felt great like I didn't have knee issues muscles weren't getting tight um, it was it was a really good last couple of days that's awesome man um, I wanted to ask um, would it be the peninsula section that you consider the hardest part of this 900 kilometer trail to run or, or what would you consider kind of you know, one of the hardest parts, what were one of the easier parts for you? Yeah. I mean, traditionally, and the reason everyone does this trail southbound, um, in the, like going for a run, like running the trail is that the peninsula section is the most rugged section. Um, and I've done a lot of the trail and, and through experience in this, like there's rugged stuff the entire way. Mm -hmm. uh, and I even thought like it, as I was, cause I've hiked the entire peninsula section before. So I know the terrain, I know what it's like. Um, and I knew that going in. And when I ran like the Southern sections and the stuff I hadn't, like there's just rugged stuff everywhere. Like you're not escaping it. But after doing this, I realized like the peninsula is just relentless. Like it's 160 K and there's very few breaks. There's a few sections that, you know, let up a little bit. There is actually a, a big chunk of road section near the end where you, like that I did on the last day, I think about 12 K of road and then like an ATV track. So yeah. there is that little break if you want to call it, but the rest is just relentless. And um, yeah, so I think my think my thought process going into this and why one of the reasons why I chose to do it um, northbound is that well, if the peninsula section is the most rugged section, is it a good idea to do that on your first day and really beat yourself up um, as opposed to, you know, save it to the end where you like you can, you're only going to be going so fast anyways, right? Mm. Um, but I mean, this will always be up for debate. Someone's going to go at some point and smash the record, like maybe going northbound, like pull a pull a Scott Jurek on the Bruce trail <laughs> and um, do it. But it's, it was, it was rugged and relentless up there. Yeah. But it's okay. also beautiful, like unbelievably beautiful in that section. Yeah. A lot, a lot of tree canopy and everything. I, I imagine I've never been up that way, but. Yeah. I mean, the neat thing about the peninsula section is, so you start in the peninsula section basically starts in Wyerton okay. and you do this run sort of along the, the coast and then you sort of round and you start to be able to see up the peninsula and this is really the only place on the trail i mean you can't physically see the trail but you can look up the coastline like 20 30 kilometers and you see the points coming out of like lion's head and everything and you're like the trail just hugs the coastline so you can look that far ahead and go like oh, wow. i'm going to be up there like eventually and you don't get that in the southern end of the trail just because like you don't have that big of a vantage point so it'd be amazing, like, you know, some mornings I'd wake up and I'd get on the trail and I'd be like on one of these, these points out where the trail goes at sunrise and you'd look up the coastline and it just seemed forever away where like the next point was. And then like later that day, you're at that point looking back to where you were. And then you do that again and 
by the end of the day, you can look back and see like the, the like the point the points south of you, but there's three more points you went through, over through that day, and it's just to experiencing that was absolutely amazing, especially like how far I had to travel to get there. Yeah, I I gotta say it, it's it's pretty awe inspiring to think that you know human body with your own two feet is, is traveling that distance. You know, whereas I mean, driving 900 kilometers in a car is 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 tough, right? Yeah. So just doing that on your own two feet with with nothing else but just your body is is just awe inspiring. There's no other word for it. I think you know. Yeah, and I know I've I actually just beside my computer here I have uh, the map of the entire Bruce Trail. It's been posted by beside my computer for for months, and yeah, you look at it and it's crazy. Like you you know. You pass under the 401 and at that point you've already traveled 200 kilometers right right and then you pass like through highway nine and then across shelburne then up into the blue mountains and you're still two-thirds of the way like not even two-thirds of the way and there's this beautiful section through beaver valley and yeah it's just it's it's wild and i i had this moment where we were in the peninsula section so we were north of wyerton and Someone had come out to join us, one of the Pacers, actually a woman named Joan, who was a beast. She was with me a lot of the last couple of days. She did the entire last day with me. Um, wow. Huge help when she was out there. And she got there and she was just sort of chatting. And she said, yeah, I was a little late getting here this morning. Like she wasn't late. She just didn't get there as early as she wanted to. And she said, um, yeah, they, they had to, they did the, uh, the detour around Wyerton's all different right now. And I said, I don't remember, like, I was thinking in my head, I don't remember that. And I'm like, oh yeah, because I didn't drive it. Like, I, I was on the trail. Like, I, like, you know, I'm 60 kilometers north of Wyerton right now. And like, I'm doing this all by foot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy when you think about it like that, eh? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. You all know how I love to run with Piper the Wonder Dog. Her safety and health are my number one priority when we're out on the trails together. And that's why I've been giving Piper Big Country Raw's all-natural joint support supplements since she was a pup. Trail Tales ARP is happy to provide you with a discount code for 10% off your order at bigcountryraw.ca. Visit bigcountryraw.ca and use the code TRAILTALES, one word, to receive your 10% discount today. Run wild. You know, we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, as much as you can plan and prepare for things, there's always things that happen that you didn't quite expect. Did you have any of those moments um, while you were out on the trail, anything that kind of surprised you or just kind of, you know, like funny moments, things like that? Yeah, there was, there was a few. I mean, part of it is a lot of these things you know are probably gonna happen. Like we knew I'd probably have some knee issues um, as much as you can prepare for that. We knew I might have some feet issues. We knew I'd probably have some eating issues. We knew there'd be sleep issues. Mm -hmm. Um, we knew there might be some like trail issues, like in the sense that like the Bruce trail is almost its own organic thing. Like there's reroutes happen and stuff like that. So you've always got to prepare it. And again, my crew was really on that to making sure we had the most up-to-date version of the trail. Cause you don't want to go like on a section you're not supposed to be right right, you right. Have to backtrack right um so for me personally it was pretty much as expected like again you kind of know what the unexpected things were we ran into a few funny things we had a crazy encounter with the skunk one night um, <laughs> which um he cost us about a half hour 
Which oh, is, no kidding. Yeah, normally when you come across some wildlife, um, if you, you know, if you give them a little space and sort of push them along, eventually they'll move off. But we were in between these two fence lines and there was just nowhere for the skunk to go and nowhere for us to go. Like we can't backtrack four kilometers. And um, so that was just, and the skunk played dead, which was, <laughs> I never experienced something like that. So that was pretty wild. Um, but beyond that, I mean, the crew, Jade and Jen, like, they just went through so much to make this happen. And I think that's where a lot of the quote unquote unexpected or quote unquote, like real, not struggles, but challenges were. Um, they were just working so hard to uh, keep the machine going forward. And, and by design, like just sort of shield me from all that. Like we've had, the, we had those conversations going in where it's like, if there are problems on the logistics end, then like the, like the, um, you know, what's going on and how we're going to do this. Um, I don't need to know about that. Like, I can't know about that. If I'm worried about, you know, where we're sleeping that night or how this is going to happen. Um, like I just need all my energy to be focused on moving forward. And they're amazing at just taking on all those challenges and figuring them out. Perfect. Yeah. Cause you, you have one job and I guess any distractions are just going to kind of, you know, side rail you from there and you can't, you need all your, all your brain power, all your focus, everything to be on the task at hand. eh? Exactly. And I mean, yeah. people experience that in day-to-day -day life, right? Like you, if you're working and then all of a sudden, like, you know, someone goes, well, the, the toilet's leaking, right? Like, oh God, I got it. Like, you can't focus on work anymore. You got to go fix that, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, that type of thing, right? Like, like there was literally a point where, like we were projected to finish, if I finished within the record, a little bit of wiggle room, I would have been done on Sunday. And that's sort of what we had planned for. We had planned for Sunday. Monday would be the, like, the recovery day for everyone. But it became clear before that, that that just wasn't going to happen. Um, and at that point, like Jade needs to go back to work. Jen needs to go back to work. We've got an RV that's rented that needs to be back on Monday. Um, <laughs> right. Like that's yeah. the situation we're in. And I mean, in my mind, I knew like, like that's going to have to get figured out, but I just, you know, I'm so lucky to have a partner like Jade and a friend like Jen who just, you know, they're like, we got it. Like you just keep moving and we'll figure it out. Yeah. It sounds like uh, Jade and Jen were almost like your guardian angels on the trail, eh? Oh, definitely. And I mean, beyond just logistically, like just, they, they understood why I wanted to do this. And we've had conversations about around this yeah. in the sense that, um, there'd be, we'd get to the point where I would be so sleep deprived, um, you know, probably calorie deficient, although we kept up pretty good, um, just exhausted. Like I'm not the one to be making good decisions at that point. And people experience that in like, again, in day-to-day -day life, if you're really tired and you know, if you didn't sleep the night before, like you're probably not going to make the best decisions. So, yeah. uh, we sort of made an agreement before we went into the run that I would just give them information. Um, in the sense like, you know, I'm really tired. Um, I'm not sure I can do any more tonight. Um, you know, this is what's hurting. Um, this food's not working, um, but I wouldn't make the decision. Like I want to stop, like I would just give them the information and they would go, okay, 
but you're you're going to do a bit more tonight and this is what's going to happen and you're not stopping and i had agreed too that i would trust them if they said what was happening i would trust them and it's within that context of i know i'm not making a rational decision right now i might be speaking the words that i don't want to keep going but they know me well enough and could see the bigger picture that yes you can and you will yeah and i just trusted them that's amazing man <laughs> this is a bit you know a little tongue-in-cheek here but i'm sure there are a lot of people that might be thinking your decision to just run the whole trail was probably not a good decision. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Right. There's some and, people out there going, I would never do that. Most yeah, of us. <laughs> for sure. Right. And, um, but I also think that's a, like, if you don't go and try and if you don't go like, like if you don't take a shot at something that big, how would you know? Like I would never know that I could go do something like that. Yeah. There's no, there's no test like test for something like that. Like as, as amazing as, you know, things like running like a hundred K or even a hundred miler, like you can get pretty close to knowing if you can do that. Like, you know, yeah, um, there's, there's again, even with those, those are big accomplishments and um, you know, you're, there is no certainty even in something like that, but you can be within the realm of going, yeah, I can, I can probably do that. But like, it's not like I'm going to go out and run 600, 700 kilometers to test if I can run 900, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I just think there's something so important about setting goals like that, even beyond running, whatever it is, um, just so far beyond what um, you think is possible. And then just going and seeing if you can do it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I've got your website, Fear No Trail dot com uh, open up on my screen here and it says right up that right on the front page if your goal is to eliminate fear you will always be running from it when you choose to embrace it to know it you will find your true potential and i think you know that that just encapsulates everything you just said right there and it's and it's so true and um you know there throughout my life i've always had kind of desires or goals to see if i could do things and then you know i think one of one of the uh, ingredients that kind of pushes me to go for those goals is the fear is the fear of, you know, is it, you know, can I do this? Is it, you know, how hard is it going to be? Um, and it's like you said, if you don't do it, you're never going to really know. And I think that's one of the great things about running and ultra running is, is we're always trying to kind of find out what our limits are and tap into that to that area where I think very few people actually ever get to where, you know, you experience this on your, on your run where you just feel like you can't go on anymore where you're done and you know, you've got support there and people are saying, no, you, you got more, you can do more. And, and, you know, when you think that the, the task in front of you is so big, it can't be accomplished. You just keep plugging away and, and you dig down deep inside and find whatever it is inside you that can keep you going. And then lo and behold, you accomplish it. Right. And now, now you're looking back in the rear view mirror going, yeah, man, that's behind me. I did it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I've, I definitely have not always lived like this way, like sure. in specifically with the fear thing, but somewhere in the past, like five or six years, which is really where I started to like, think about changing my life around a little bit. And not that I, I mean, I had a good life and everything was fine, but it wasn't, I knew I was like, not living up to what I probably could be doing. And um, somewhere along the line, there's that, that notion of fear, whether it was a quote or an interview with someone or a podcast, 
And it was like, you know, if you, if you have that tingle of fear about something, like that's actually like a sign you need to like go towards that, like, like run towards that fear and see what will happen. You know, yeah. if, it, 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 it's not the fear you have when, you, if you, if you see a bear, like don't run towards a bear. But, <laughs> good but, good distinction. Know, but like, you know, that fear where like, if you're like, like skydiving and you get that little churn in your stomach where you're like, I don't know if I could do that. You, you probably should, like, you should probably go experience it. Yeah. Because, you know, we only get one trip <laughs> around in this lifetime and you may as well try to experience as much as you can, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And I always, I always say I'm always a big advocate for, for, you know, advising people don't, you know, when you get into that comfort zone, it's time to do something else or time to get out of that comfort zone. You don't, you don't want to get stuck in that area where you're just kind of day in, day out doing the same thing. And you're not really, you know, experiencing, experiencing all that life has to offer. So always, always good to kind of push yourself and, and for everybody, it's going to be a little bit different, right? So exactly. Gotta, gotta do, gotta do what, uh, what you're here to do, whether it's running 900 kilometers in, in 12 days and 13 hours, or, or just getting off the couch and running a couch to 5k, like, you know, running one time around the block, whatever it is, just get out and do it. Or, you know, taking a cooking class, who knows? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And exactly to that point too, like, like, I don't want people to think that I'm like some absolute beast that went out and like did this, like, because like literally three years ago, I was the guy who couldn't run like two kilometers and I got up and said, okay, I'm at least going to try to do that. I'm going to go see if I can, you know, run 5k and that's where it starts. Right. Like now it may not lead to this and that's fine. It doesn't have to, Exactly. but, but don't let, um, don't let what you like, don't think of the grandness of things you might not be able to do, like, um, prevent you from doing the, the things you can do right now. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's amazing to think that, you know, you did accomplish this in, in such a short period of time, but there's been a lot of work, a lot of running, a lot of learning in that period of time and, and things don't happen overnight, right? It's, it's small, consistent efforts over time that kind of build up to bigger things. And it almost, you know, if you're, if you're doing it right, it's almost like the pros through the, throughout the process, you don't even really notice the changes that are happening. It just seems like, okay, a 5k effort three years ago now feels like the same effort I'm putting in to run a 50k or a hundred or whatever, right? Whatever it is. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't even have to be running to be honest, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting stuff for sure. And um, you know, one of the things I definitely encourage, encourage people who are listening um, to go out and, and try something, try something new, um, change it up a little bit and, and, and see where it takes you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, gear, if you will. So um, I guess, you know, one of the things I'm curious about is what kind of, what shoes did you choose to, uh, to wear on this trail? Did you have like a, a number of different shoes that you wore? This shoe question, this is such a, I think for, for most people to do something like this, this would be like a pretty standard question, but just for me and how I approach this, this shoe issue was actually like such a crazy thing. So oh, really? I actually, um, for the past, I don't know, nine months, eight, 10 months, I, I started with using Vivo's, Vivo barefoot shoes, which are very minimalist, like yeah. no cushioning no support shoes. And I've run in exclusively in those for the past nine months, 10 months, including all my trail running. 
like everything I was wearing Vivos for a lot of reasons. They really reduced the impact that was coming up my body. Um, they let my feet do what they needed to do. They really help with stability um, because I can really feel the ground. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something about the body's contact with the ground. When you put cushioning between that, there's a delay. Um, but when that's not there, your body's able to do what it's supposed to do um, and work how it's supposed to work. So my plan was to do the run in vivos. Um, multiple hundred Ks in vivos. Um, like, you know, I, I was very comfortable in running at those. So, but I also knew with the vivos, like there's going to be footages as far as swelling and stuff like that. Like that's yeah. just going to happen. So I had two different types of vivos. I had their stealth, which are a very low profile, very minimal tread shoe. They're my go-to. And I had those in the size I normally wear and a size bigger. Okay. And then I had Vivo's uh, trail shoe, uh, which is again, a minimal shoe, very low profile, very little tread, but they actually had some like grippy tread on them. Okay. Um, and I would use those if it was wet out because the other ones, like if it was wet, I'd just be slipping. Right. Right. Um, and again, I had those in, in, uh, two different sizes, my regular size and a size bigger, anticipating that my feet were going to expand. Sure, um, sure. And that was actually part of a lesson I learned after hearing about Adam, who had the, he held the record before John. Um, and he had some pretty big foot issues from what I understand. And he actually, they cut the toes out of his, his shoes. So oh, they wow. gave his, his, gave his feet more room to like, so that was the reason I had these sizes bigger. Like, I'm like, I want to be prepared in case that happens. Yeah. But then on, I might have been day six or seven, seven, something like that. I was just starting the Beaver Valley section. So I just finished the Blue Mountain section. And I was going in in the morning to start the Beaver Valley section. And I had a runner named Kate from, um, from the area, from Collingwood, one of those amazing women runners from that region. She was out with me dressed as a unicorn, as, <laughs> as one does. And we started going out and I couldn't like walk, like, and not from like a muscular, like skeletal type issue of walking. It, there were lightning bolts shooting up the bottom of my feet with every step I took. Mm -hmm. It was horrendous pain. Um, but she's a, she's a runner and she understands. And she said, well, we're just going to keep walking. We're going to keep going. And what do you need to fix this problem? And I said, I need different shoes. Like I need, I actually do need something right now. That's got some cushioning. Like, yeah. um, like this just isn't going to work. Right. Um, and this is five in the morning, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. So, so she got on the phone with the crew and I knew, I knew I had a pair of shoes in my closet at home, which luckily was Owen sound. We were about 45, 50 minutes from Owen sound. I said, I have one pair of like my old trail shoes are in my closet at home. Um, they may work, right? They may not, but that's one option. Um, so while that was happening, um, Jade coordinated her mom to go to our house, get the shoes and drive them over. And Jade was going to meet her in Thornbury and get the shoes. Um, Jen um, grabbed my trail shoes because I was wearing my stealth and I had my Vivo hiking boots in the car with, with us. They had my hiking boots. Jen got on the trail like ahead of us and, and walked back in to meet us. Um, Kate then got on the phone with um, VO2 Sports in Collingwood. Yep, and I know them they well. don't even open until 
they don't even open till noon, but she knows, knows the brothers there and got on the phone with them and um, started coordinating, getting some other shoe options. Oh, wow. So at, at some point, and for this whole morning for me felt like it felt really short, but it also, I don't know, felt long. Cause I never actually got off the trail. Jen made it out and I put on the Viva hiking boots, um, which isn't much more padding, but they're a little more solid. So those, those impacts weren't like as much. I'm like, okay, I can at least walk in these, like yeah. without it being like brutal pain. So I just started hiking a little faster. I could actually move with those like a little better. And then, and then by the time we got to the next trail crossing, like at the road, uh, Jade was there with my, my shoes, my, um, the shoes I had at home. So I threw those on I said, oh, okay, like, this is good. I can move in these. And, um, then I, I ran out the next section. Like I ran out the next three or four K. And by the time I got there, Kate had left at that point, went to VO two sports, got three pairs of shoes, brought them back to the next trail crossing. And I tried on these three pairs of shoes. None of them unfortunately worked. They were just like too tight over the top of my foot. My foot just wouldn't really fit in them well. Yeah. Um, but I had these other ones that were working okay. And then in the midst of all of this, um, Jade had also reached out to the runner's den, which is the store and sound here. Yep. Um, and they had, they had the exact shoes I was wearing in a couple sizes bigger. Cause that's kind of what I needed at that point. And, um, they said, yep, yeah, well, we got them. Like, how do we get them to you? A friend of ours who was going to come and pace me that day went into Owen sound, got them, brought them out. I normally wear a size nine. I put on a size 10 and I wore a size 10 for basically almost the rest of the run. And I think the second last day at some point, I said, I'm floating around in these shoes a little bit now. I think all the swelling and stuff is released from my feet. And oh, I switched wow. back to the nines and did the last day and half in the size nines. So yeah, I know that was just sort of, was there going to be a simple question about the shoes I wore, <laughs> but the shoes were actually a big story to this whole thing. So yeah, no kidding. Uh, a lot involved in that one for sure. And, and a lot of people involved too, to kind of try to try to get and, you all squared away so you can keep going. eh? Yeah. And and that's part of that that story when we talked earlier about like how there was a turning point in and around that area in that blue mountain. Yeah. I think that story is also a big part of it because you you can start to feel pretty alone out on the trail there, even when there's someone out there pacing you, like you've got someone there with you. Yeah. Um, but when that happened and like that many people just rallied to figure it out, and it was like, okay, this is bigger. This is a little bigger than me, right? Like, yeah, for sure. Um, and that was just all part of that that turning point for me. Yeah, and would honestly, would you even have expected that much support for no for something no. Like that? that's insane? Eh? It's like pretty uplifting. Like, yeah, like you you think like you know if some elite athlete said, hey, I'm having some like foot problems, like some some runner shops would probably jump to help them out, like. VO2 Sports had no idea who I am. They've I've never interacted with them, right? They yeah. knew Kate and Kate called and like, you know, they but they were happy to support like jump and that it it means something, right? Like it means something that they could see what I was out trying to do and were happy to help. Yeah. It just it just goes to show you how great the running community really is from all aspects, man. From you know, it's just yeah. it's such great people, uh just willing to support you know, complete strangers too, in any way, just to kind of accomplish your goals. So it's, yeah. it's a pretty awesome community to be a part of for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I've, I've typically just spent, you know, um, time out on the, on the Bruce trail and the side trails here in Dufferin County, uh, you know, Orangeville, Shelburne area. Um, but I'm assuming like, you know, the flashes 
the white flashes are all the main trail and throughout the entire uh, the entirety of the trail, the side trails are probably marked by blue flashes. Did you, did you just stick right to the, to the main trail route? There was no like kind of turns going off to a side trail or doing a little section there to explore. No, like part of the thing when you're, when you're going for the, like an end to end, an FKT, like one of the Enough things time. is you, you, you stick to the trail like a hundred percent. And most people who do it take that pretty seriously and not in like a, like sort of um, strict rule kind of thing. It's almost like an integrity around it. Like I had a couple of big things I would do where, um, you know, the ladders or the like the turnstiles that go over some styles yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um, I would go over every single one. Even you'll come across some where you could, you could just walk past it. Like there's yeah. actually like no fence there, but there's the, the style still there. Yeah. I would go, I would go over every single one, no matter what, because in my opinion, that's part of the trail. The, the, yeah, the there ladder's you go. actually part of the trail. Yeah, it's um, interesting. I, I I have a I have a dog. Well, I've got a puppy too. So I, I do a lot of can across running with my dog. So they're on yeah. a, on a lead in front of me, and they kind of pull me, and I just tell them which way to go. And I was out not too long ago um, on a section of the Bruce here, and came up to a stile. There were, there were a few we passed. So the first one, I kind of picked her up, and I had my friend on the other side. He took her and, and went. She's like a a golden uh, or a yellow lab husky mix. Uh, we got as a rescue from Manitoba. Anyway, we went, came up to the next one, and boom, up and down. She went right on her own. I was, I was amazed because I had her, I took her off the lead so I could pick her up and she just went on yeah. her own. I was like, oh, pretty cool. Yeah. There's some yeah. actually, I'd never seen them up this way, but there are some down south that actually have like a little, little dog hole cut out beside them where the dogs yeah. can just Yeah. We came across those too. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So, yeah. But in general, you, you 100% stick to the white, like the white blazes. And, you know, there were times where, like if you go off track which happens occasionally um i'd have to loop back even if it was like even if it was like 100 meters even if it was 20 meters even if it was five meters that i somehow went off trail i would go back and make sure i did that actual section to say like and it's it's, it's just that mentality of like if i'm gonna hike the entire trail i'm gonna hike the entire trail um and I'm not going to miss sections. And there are little things I would do to sort of make sure that happened. Whenever I, at the end of the night, when I finished, you'd, you obviously finish at a road crossing like, when you finish. Yeah. Um, and I go across the road to where you'd sort of go into the next section. And there's typically a sign there saying like, like Bruce Trail entrance, or there's just a blaze there. And I would go over and I'd physically tag that blaze or that sign. And then when I came back in the morning to start, I would tag that sign and I would call it tagging, you know, the trail. So I made sure like I finished and started at the exact same spot. Nice. Nice. Yeah, and that's a, that's a real great way to just have that continuity that you've done every yeah. single portion of it. Right. Exactly. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I guess it would kind of put you in that mindset too, like tag it. Okay. I'm out. I'm done for the day. And then you're back to business the next day, tag it and away you go away. Eh? Exactly. And it is, it's, it's as much that part of it too, right? This sort yeah. of mentality of like, okay, I'm back in it. I'm back on the trail. Yeah, exactly, man. Um, so I, I wanted to ask too, like, what was your typical day? Like, did you have a certain amount of hours you were out? Was it the same every day? Did it vary? Did you wake up at the same time every day? You go to bed at the same time? How did you, how did you kind of go? Or did you just kind of go by feel? A little bit by feel, but within a structure. So it, 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 it stuck pretty similar. We had originally planned that I'd be starting each morning at four o'clock. Um, 
but I think after about day two or three, we sort of pushed that back a little bit to five. Like it was just, we realized that was just pushing it a little too far. Um, but in general, in the mornings, I'd be on the trail at five o'clock. There were still a few mornings I started a little earlier, um, but generally around five. And most mornings, what would happen is um, the alarm would go off. Um, Jade and Jen's alarm would go off and they would just hop out of bed and just start doing the things that I needed. So Jen would be making me food and everything like the smoothies and stuff to get me going. Jade would be getting all the gear and everything ready. I'd be laying in bed, just trying to get the blood flowing and get the legs going. Yeah. Um, Jade would give me a quick um, like leg massage. I'm also super lucky that Jade's a uh, registered massage therapist. So perfect. Jen is as well, actually. So I've got this amazing support crew who understands the body um and it's it's super helpful because we can deal with problems immediately we don't have to wait we can just try to fix them yeah yeah so then the morning would start and i would um you know we'd sort of go through that routine we'd there were some times where we actually were parked basically right at trailhead so i could just walk out of the rv and hop on a trail or we'd be like 10 minutes away and we'd drive to the trailhead 10 15 minutes away um and then we'd go in the morning and then i'd go anywhere probably between about eight to 10. I think we pushed till 11 o'clock one night. We wanted, we always wanted to push later, but it just, it got to a point where like pushing much past that, like eight or nine o'clock, there was, it was just negative returns. Right. Yeah. Like, um, and sometimes that would have to do with just the reality of the trail. Like if I came, if it was like eight 30 and there was a section I would be coming to that would take me, two hours and two and a half hours to do before they can meet me again. Well, we can't go into that section. Like I can't go in that late. Right. right. But maybe if it's eight thirty, nine o'clock and there's like a little three K section, well, yeah, I can knock that out and we can call it quits at the end. So sometimes that was also in play. Like what's the actual next section look like? Cause you know, if it, you can't just say like, well, we're going to stop at 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock might be in the middle of some section of trail where it's like, yeah. you know, three kilometers to the next road crossing. So, yeah. 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 Interesting. Um, what do you know off, off top of your head? Like what is the longest section of trail throughout this whole thing? Like the longest like section where you don't have access. Yeah. 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 That'd be up in the peninsula is okay. uh, through the park. Um, now there are a few access points there. Um, but basically there's almost 40 K that's really hard to get to. Um, there's, you start at, I forget what it's called, but like the Southern end of the park. And I think it's about 15 K, maybe even a little more, maybe 16 or 17. And you get to a place called halfway log dump. There's a couple of names for it where there is access. And we were lucky enough that, um, we talked to some of the people at the park, um, and because those lots can get full, like this includes the grotto, which is such a huge tourist attraction now, where right. those lots can get full and like the support crew couldn't even get in if they wanted to. Um, but we were lucky wow. that we talked to some of the people at the park and let them know where they're up to. And the crew was able to get into that first stop and meet me. And then, then it was about a 16K stretch through the rest of the park. Um, again, that too, there is an accident, there is a point where they could have got in to, to meet me. Um, but even for that is they have to drive in a big ways and then actually hike in a couple, like a little ways to actually get to where the, the main trail would be. Oh, really? So, yeah. So it's a, it's a big remote stretch along there. And, um, whereas most other places like 
might be remote, like, or like a big stretch, you're pro you're not actually as remote as you seem like up there, like you're, you're out in the wilderness. Like you're, there's no easy way to get in if, if something were to happen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thankfully nothing did. That's for nothing sure. Nothing did. And I had on that day, that last day through that, I had Joan, um, another runner named Steve with me that, that day through that section, which was, which was huge. Like they just powered through with me all day to get that section done. That was the last day was going awesome. through there. Awesome. And so let me ask now, what was it, what was it like for the last, you know, last hundred, 200 meters of, of the run? What was going through your mind? Were you just thinking, why is this taking so long? Or were you just, you know, what was going through your head at that point? Yeah, it's, it's neat. So we, that the section through the park is almost the end of the trail. Like, I think once you come out, you might have 10 kilometers, maybe less than 10 kilometers left, something like that. There's still a bit of ruggedness, but then eventually you're sort of getting into like Tobamori, like the, the real area of Tobamori. And we've always done this thing where Jade comes out and runs the, the last of it with me. So there was a point about three kilometers from the end where Jade was able to meet us and she ran the last 3K with us as well. And which is really nice to have her with us. And yeah, yeah you come out of the last bit of trail and you actually sort of run down one of the side streets of Tobamori then you turn down and you run to like the harbor front walkway and then you run down sort of this stone pathway to where the cairn is which sits right in the harbor up in Tobamori. and it was really neat there are a bunch of people up there uh, to support and cheer me on that last stretch um and yeah it was just it was a neat feeling to just to be running in there um and experience that end point um and to make it to that cairn and, and touch the can for the final, for the finish. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool, man. Um, so Steve, we're kind of getting close to the end of our time here, but I just want to ask like, any final thoughts about the experience or about you know the support you had from the people out there that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, like this, this truly made me realize that if you, if you can put yourself out there and, and sort of shoot for something that's so far beyond, and just, you know, show that you're willing to go through what needs to go through. Um, people in the universe will rally around you to help make it happen. Um, and I think that's something we all need to realize, like you can't do something like this alone. Um, it's just not possible. But if you go out and put the effort in and show up and try to do it, um, the universe and people will rally around to help make it happen. And that truly happened with this. like. We could probably spend another another hour of me just telling you about all the people who showed up and did things for us to help us get through this yeah. simple things from just you know bringing the crew water out in the middle of nowhere when they were out of it and to the people who got the rv back for us and gave us a trailer for the last three days like these little stories that are like so huge so that's probably one of the to experience that and I've, I've heard other people talk about that type of thing where if you you know if you um if you put your true self out there and go for something um the universe will conspire to help help you love it man good stuff good stuff um so if people want to kind of learn more about you or even kind of get some more insights um from your experience and uh what you and uh, jade are up to uh, you have an Instagram account. It's uh, Fear No Trail, and No is spelled K N O W. So Fear No Trail, 
And that's the same spelling for your website as well, fearnotrail.com. Are those the two best places that people can kind of get in touch with you and learn about your story? Yeah, those are the two best places. And yeah, we, we're going to be doing more stuff like this. We're, like, we're, we're not going to do anything quite this big for a little while. Um, but we already have some other, some, some other, you know, some things up our sleeves we're going to be doing. Um, on Instagram, I'm going to be sharing some of the stories of like what I experienced on the trail um, over the next little while. So if people are interested, um, they can find it there and I'll be telling stories. Um, and yeah, just stay connected with us and what we're up to because we do have some, we do have some other cool stuff planned that we're going to be doing. Wonderful, Steve. I'd, I'd love to get you back on the podcast and we can talk about those things when the time comes. That would be awesome. Uh, for everybody listening, um, we're going to put this interview up on our YouTube channel as well. It's just Trail Tales ARP. And beyond that, you can listen to us wherever you find any major podcast, Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, all those places. Uh, Steve, I have one last thing to say to you, as I say to all of my guests here, and that is to run wild, my friend, run wild. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm looking forward to running wild in, in a few days again. <laughs> Absolutely. Trail Tales ERP now has a brand new YouTube channel. You can head over there through our website and check out all our latest videos. And please don't forget to subscribe. If you could also leave us a review on wherever you get our podcast from, that would be greatly appreciated. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at trail underscore tales underscore ARP. And you can also join our Strava running group at Trail Tales ARP. Thank you so much for your continued support. Run wild. <laughs>